What's up, royal family? Welcome back to the Queen X Podcast. I am your host. This is your girl, Autumn Black. And we are here for another episode. So, last week, um, you guys had an episode from me where I just talked about um, having invisible cheerleaders and never really giving up on who you are and what it is that you want to do because you never know who you're inspiring, who's watching you, and who's cheering you on. This week, I had an interview with Robert Moody. Robert Moody is a local Wichita lawyer here in the community. Not only is he a lawyer here in the community, but he is, wait for it, a black lawyer here in the community, okay? One of us, okay? So I met Robert a couple months ago. I've been seeing him out and about at different events, and we finally had a chance to talk And I was just like, listen, what's it going to take for me to get you on the podcast? He was like, let's schedule it. Let's have a conversation. So me and Robert had a conversation and I recorded this conversation for the podcast so you guys could listen in. And I want to give a thank you to Chandelier Gullick because I posted on um, our Instagram page. Anybody that had a question that they wanted to ask Robert, she asked a question and he answered. So stay tuned at the end of the episode for that. But before we get into this interview, make sure that you rate and review this podcast on whatever platform it is that you're listening to. When you rate me or um, leave a review, it allows for other people that are just like you that want to listen to podcasts just like me to find me. So leave me a rate, leave me a review um, and show you girl some love. I want to give a special shout out. Thank you to our sponsor to this week's episode, United Vibes Culture and More. United Vibes is located at 2003 East Central um, on the corner of Central and Pyatt in Wichita, Kansas. Y'all know that I love United Vibes Culture and More because I own United Vibes Culture and More. (laughs) But come down and come see us. We have all of your spiritual needs. Um, Tons of books right now. We have a ton of donations at the front of the store that we're giving out to the community. Um, Come have breakfast with us, of course, at our Books and Breakfast on the second and third Saturday of every month. Just follow us on Instagram at United Vibes or on our Facebook page if you want to know specific dates and themes for that. Um, And let's get into this episode. Okay, Robert, I'm really glad to have you here on the Queen X podcast. I'm super excited about this. When I first met you through um, Ty, she was totally smitten with you, talking about how much of a genius you were. Uh, and then through a couple conversations of us chit-chatting, I was like, oh, hell yeah, I got to get him on the podcast for right sure. Thanks so, for having me. Thank you. Um, so go ahead and let all of our listeners know exactly who you are, where you come from, and how you got here. All right. Well, first of all, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And again, thanks for having me. My name is Robert Moody. I'm an associate attorney at Martin Pringle Law Firm. Um, I was actually born in Montgomery, Alabama, and so I lived there for the first 10 years of my life. And then my parents split moved to Kansas, a little small town in southwest Kansas called Protection, Kansas, where I went to junior high and high school at. So once I graduated high school, I moved to Wichita and I've been here ever since. Mm -hmm. I moved up here to go to Wichita State. Okay, okay. So I've been here ever since then. So is law something that you've always been interested in? Uh, It's not. It's kind of crazy how I came into it. I mean, actually, when I uh, started Wichita State, I was a psychology major. Um, I didn't. I had no clue what I wanted to do. What I wanted to be. <laughs> I mean, like a typical eighteen-year-old kid. I mean, some people are focused to know, but I just knew I had to get a degree. That was the main thing mm-hmm. I knew. And so I was a psychology major, just kind of going around taking classes to fill, you know, check boxes and do things of that nature. And then I came across this class 
Uh, it was a legal assistant class, and I found out I can get a legal assistant, associate's degree as a legal assistant in two years. And so since I already had all my gen eds out of the way and everything else, I figured, okay, this is a good pathway to be able to get, you know, get my associate's degree as a legal assistant and then get work, mm -hmm. you know, start working immediately. So, I mean, it was kind of coincidental how that all happened. But once it happened, is it something that you kind of were like, okay, I kind of got a knack for this. Like, I'm kind of digging the system. Yeah, well, it took me a little while. So I got my associates as a legal assistant in 1998. And coincidentally, one of the females in the classes with me, her fiancé was, was an attorney in town mm -hmm. and was looking for a legal assistant. And he in particular wanted a male legal assistant for whatever reason. And so she ended up hooking me up with him. So I started working for him. I mean, I was clueless. I didn't know how the law worked. I, I may or may not have been a defendant once upon a time <laughs> prior to that. So I kind right. of knew that side of it. Uh, but, you know, get, being able to work for him, he was a solo practitioner and he did criminal defense and a lot of civil rights cases and plaintiff's work and like employment discrimination cases and things of that nature. Okay. So, uh, and him being a solo practitioner, he involved me in every aspect of everything it took, you know, from talking to clients initially to working cases and mm -hmm. communication with judges and things of that nature. And so I worked for him for about seven or eight years and, he, you know, he took me to trials and the depositions and all those types of things. So... You know, it took a while, but I, you know, I started to figure out, hey, I can, I think I might be able to do this. But, mm -hmm. I mean, it was nothing, you know, I was a legal assistant, I thought that was pretty cool. Hey, I'm working at a law office and, you know, making some decent, at least what I thought was decent money back then. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just kind of figuring out, and, and a lot of it is just exposure. Mm -hmm. You know, I got exposed to being in court and seeing other lawyers and talking to all these people. And then, you know, eventually over time, I started thinking to myself, hey, this is definitely something I can do. Right. So did you have any preconnotations about lawyers or about the, the legal system before you got into it? And so once you became a lawyer, you was kind of like, oh, shit, this is a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, I did. And I think, I don't know if most people have these, but I mean, sometimes people think lawyers are like on the special level or they put lawyers on a pedestal like they have some type of superior knowledge or something like uh -huh. that. You know, they're highly esteemed and things of that nature. But, you know, we're just regular people just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And so I want to break down that perception that you can be a regular cat and still, you know, be a lawyer. Okay, one of, one yeah. One of the compliments I get is when people tell me, hey, you don't act like a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of cool. And they say because, you know, a lot of people don't like lawyers and, you mm -hmm. know, they think they, you know, are just taking advantage of the system or charging way too much money to do certain things. And, you right. know, they think about prosecutors and things of that nature. Uh, but there's many different aspects of, of law, not just, you know, criminal law, which is, I think, a lot of people think about when they think about lawyers. Mm -hmm. There's there's way, way more things you can do with the law than just, you know, be a prosecutor or a criminal defense attorney. And sending people to jail and stuff like that. Correct. So what are some of the areas, the other areas that you work in? So um, I do general litigation. All litigation is if there's a dispute between two parties um, and you can't get it resolved and, you know, you file a lawsuit in order to get that resolved. The judge, ultimately, if you get that far, judge or jury will make that determination to resolve that dispute mm -hmm. if you don't. So, uh, but even criminal, you know, criminal defense, that's litigation. If the government has an issue with you, they're charging you with, with crimes and things of that mm -hmm. nature. Uh, but if you have, like, contract disputes and things like that, or if there's employment situations, or I do a lot of oil and gas work as well, so sometimes that's a lot of contract type stuff as well. So... 
Um, you know, there's estate planning stuff you can do. There's, you know, business formation and all these types of things. A mm-hmm. lot of stuff that people never really think about when they think initially think lawyer. Right, right, right. Um, the majority of the time, I know when people think about a brother or a sister going into any type of legal field, then the automatic connotation is going to be that this is a, a black person that thinks that they're better than or higher than and that they're not willing to help somebody that's like me, you know, right. that type of, but every time that I've ever been in a space with you, Robert, you are just the hella chillest, just cool cat, you know, you don't give off that energy of like, I'm anything other than a human being, you know, like you were a human being before you were a lawyer, right? you know, so. No, I appreciate that. And I'm going to always try to maintain that. I mean, that's one of the reasons I went to law school is to be able to help folks. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in, so I worked for the solo practitioner for about seven or eight years after that, I worked at the federal court uh, in the clerk's office for three years. Then I worked for a federal judge as his courtroom deputy for another three years after that. And so, you know, I got to see all this stuff. And then I know people, especially, you know, people that lack financial resources or people in diverse communities don't have access to legal knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, they might have you know, partial things of what they know. or <laughs> You know, they listen to what their uncle told them or what their baby mama's cousin told them or mm-hmm. something like that. That's might not be correct information, then you start making your decisions based on incorrect legal information that can lead to bad decisions down the road for you. And so that's why I think it's important for me to go out and, you know, I I appreciate Martin Pringle, the law firm that I work for. They support me in going out in the community, giving presentations about different things. So we can get, you know, first of all, a lot of people, especially that lack financial resources, don't have access to attorneys, particularly at a high-power law firm like Martin Pringle. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, it just gets the word out there, gets the information out there so people can have some accurate legal knowledge. Yes, I love that. And you're very proactive. Like I said, I've seen you at multiple, multiple places. So you're very proactive about making sure that the people uh, in the community, in lower-income communities especially, have knowledge and know that, like, hey, I'm here. You got questions. Let me know what's up. We can have a conversation. I can get you some and resources. Right. So what is the black lawyer community like? Um, a lot of people that are in the black community would prefer to have a brother or sister to come to with problems and issues. Right. Um, but you're one of the first black lawyers that I've met here in Wichita. Right. So what's that community like here? Well, you know, we, we've actually, you know, there's 1,500 plus attorneys in Wichita. Of those 1,500 plus, I think there's only about 30 black lawyers in Wichita by Ooh. my count. Now that could be you know, more or less, but give or take, that's a, that's about the, the number. It's funny how this all started about. So uh, I think 2015 was the 100-year anniversary of the Wichita Bar Association. Mm-hmm. And so one of the attorneys at my firm got tasked with uh, writing a section about black attorneys in Wichita and coming up and, and giving that history to us in the book. And so, of course, I got tagged to assist in that, you know, in that process. And so, you know, Wichita does have a history of powerful black attorneys here. You know, so, but I thought, well, during this process, let's figure out who we have now currently in the community, black attorneys, and let's get us in the book and let's, you know, let people know that we're here. Right. And so through that process, we started gathering names and figuring out who's where, and we created this email list that we have. And and so since that time, the first Saturday of every month, we have, uh, you know, black attorney breakfast, uh, just kind of get together, talk about stuff, but also more importantly to uh, try to identify people that have interests, you know, kids or even mm-hmm. adults that want to return back to school in law, whether it be, you know, paralegal or going to law school or whatever, and then bring them in and, and let them just break bread with us and, and see, hey, we're normal people, you know, we act just right. like everybody else and do things like that. But black back to the you know, black large community right now, out of the 30 so 
30 or so lawyers that are here. By my count, there's only five black attorneys that work at law firms in Wichita. I mean, to me, that's a ridiculous number. Wow. And you said we started at 1,500. Right. Then we went down to 30. Right. Now we're down to maybe about five. At, yeah, at law, at law firms. firms. So most of the black attorneys are either sole practitioners or they work for the government, DA's office, public defender's office, social security office. Or, you know, there's a couple of black attorneys that uh, I think Coke has a couple and then mm-hmm. maybe some of the aviation places in-house as general counsel or, or in-house counsel there. Um, but as far as law firms go, I mean, for a while, there was only three of us. <laughs> you know, now we're up mm-hmm. to five. Martin Pringle just hired another black lawyer, so Martin Pringle now has two black lawyers. Oh, they're leading the pack, I firm. see. So, yeah, <laughs> but that's what we're trying to do. And So, to me, instead of looking at that as a negative, I look at it as a great opportunity mm-hmm. for, you know, individuals with diverse backgrounds to come in and thrive. Oh, yeah. And uh, I've noticed here lately, Wichita is becoming more and more diverse. Like, diversity is taking a larger presence here. So, I, I love the fact that you you opened up this opportunity to have a chance to, like you said, break bread with people that are even just thinking about it, taking an interest. So, anybody, is it open to the public? Do you got to go through a certain forum to come just to the breakfast? Just holler at me. I mean, holler at me or any of the black attorneys that you know. And it, it's just a kind of informal thing. And uh-huh. so, you know, usually the, you know, a few days prior to the first Saturday, I'll just send out an email to the people on my list saying, hey, let's get together at such and such a spot, nine o'clock. And, but if people know of people that are interested or thinking about law school or, you know, just want to, you know, learn about the law in general, what the legal profession, what a career in the legal profession would look like, you know, they can holler at me um, or any other black attorneys that are around, and we'll get you on the list. And you know, because we like to get our hooks in them early if we can, you <laughs> right? Know, because they're you know, because going to law school and 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 thinking about being a lawyer, I mean, it's doable. That's the thing I want, especially kids to know, it's doable. But it's a lot of hard work. It's a grind. It takes effort. It takes dedication. You kind of talked about earlier. You know, sometimes people think you're better than everybody and all that kind of stuff. There's some mm-hmm. of that stuff that goes along with it, mm-hmm. you know, but you need that support group to be able to, you know, weed all that stuff out and be able to focus on what you're doing because it's a grind, but it's definitely doable. And so we want to offer a support system and a network of folks. I certainly had that for me. I mean, that's one of the reasons I do what I do. A couple of, you know, black attorneys here in town, they found out I was going to law school and they just embrace me. They take me out to lunch. They send me emails. They give me phone calls just checking on me to make sure that everything was okay and I'm maneuvering and doing everything I need to do to be able to be successful. That's dope because I've heard horror stories about law school. Like people having nightmares. Like it's it's a rough, rough, rough. So to add on top of that, you know, the stress and the pressure of I'm going to be one of few black lawyers and I'm going to be in a circle of people that don't necessarily understand that grind. Like I love the fact that you just created a space where like we're a network of people that understand you got to have that tunnel vision and you got to get shit done. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's necessary because the first the first First semester of law school is a beast. Uh-huh. I mean, but first, before you go to law school, you have to take the LSAT, law school assessment test. And so that's one of the things that we do with the support group is if you can crush the LSAT, law school will give you money to go to law school. I mean, Washburn gives full tuition scholarships. KU will give money. So that's usually one. I think there's two barriers for diverse or young black kids that are looking to be attorneys first they're not even exposed of they're not even thinking about it mm-hmm. you know when i go mm-hmm. talk at schools and things like that oh, i want to be a rapper i'm going to be an entertainer i'm going to go play sports somewhere nfl and nobody wants to be a lawyer mm-hmm. i mean nobody says that they don't necessarily see that in the community so they don't think of that 
And so that's one of the barriers is exposure and letting our kids know that, hey, look, there's black lawyers here and there's successful black lawyers here. So you can follow that path and create your own path. But secondly, it's financial. Mm-hmm. You know, law school is expensive. You know, let's not kid ourselves. It's a three-year commitment. There's only two law schools in Kansas, one at Washburn and one at KU. So there's none here in Wichita. So if Wichita kid wants to, you know, go to law school, they're going to have to leave. Right. Um, but if so, else, law school admissions is based on two, well, several criteria, but mainly your undergrad GPA and then what the LSAT score is. And so if you get a, a crush to LSAT, I mean, they're going to throw money at you. I was able to, you know, I'm very fortunate and blessed. I got a full tuition scholarship to Washburn. Hey, now. So, and I can tell you, it definitely wasn't because of my undergrad GPA. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I, I see, I took a long path, though. So I graduated high school in 94. Um, I told you I got my associates as a legal assistant in 98. But I didn't actually finish my bachelor's until 2004. Because once I got my associates and I was working as a legal assistant, I just kind of quit going to school. Okay. You know, and then at that point I had kids and everything. And so, but once my daughter was born, my second child, I figured, hey, I still, I got to go finish this mission and get this little bachelor's degree and get that taken care of. And so I did that, but then I didn't actually go to graduate law school until 10 years after that in 2014. So, I mean, it's not a direct straight shot for me, but I mean, everything kind of unfolded how it should have. I put in the work ahead of time. And mm-hmm. that's one of the other things, being a legal assistant and a black legal assistant, you know, getting exposed to all these other attorneys here in town, you know, when because I, I was a legal assistant, I was a runner, I was a secretary. I mean, I did everything in one. And so a lot of attorneys that I work with now have seen me come up throughout this process. I mean, they recognized me from when I was a little kid that didn't know anything about you know, the law or whatever, just kind of fumbling around the courthouse and trying to figure out what's going on mm-hmm. to actually, you know, graduating from law school, getting licensed. And now I'm five years in practicing right now almost. I mean, yeah, this is May, so I graduated May 2014. So five years since I graduated. Yes, crazy. yes. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I love the grit of it. And I love, you know, your story about how you did, you know, kind of do it the, the long way because you do have all that experience and you built that those relationships. You got that under your belt. And I think that's pretty important when you're working in a community. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do with the kids, with the breakfast and things like that. I'm also on the diversity committee for the Wichita Bar Association. If you're going to go to law school or if you're going to be a lawyer, I mean, it needs to start right now. And so we bring them to the diversity committee meetings. That way they can start meeting diverse attorneys in town and and start Mm -hmm. that process right now. It's all about networking. It's all about who you know. I mean, that way people can get exposed to you and things of that nature. I mean, I'll never forget. So when I I decided to go to law school, um, I went to one of the judges that I worked with at the federal courthouse and you know, after she tried to talk me out of it because it, it wasn't a good 2011. I mean, it was still law school was down. Didn't everybody, anybody want to climb underneath debt and go to law school and might not guarantee to get a job back. Um, but she asked me, you know, why do you want to go to law school? And I said, well, it's because I want to help people, you know? And so she's like, okay, cool. And then she's the one who actually made the phone call to Martin Pringle and plugged me with Martin Pringle before I even went to law school. Wow. And so there's opportunities like that because people knew me, and then, you know, in that particular instance, I had a federal judge vouching for me, picking up the phone, calling somebody she knows. I mean, that's how these things work. So if we can get the kids or students or even returning adults that want to go back to law school plugged in, you know, before they even go to law school, that way they'll have these connections. And it's not just a re- you know resume that you're sending to somebody that doesn't know you or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes somebody to be able to know you face to face. And even with Martin Pringle, 
and I'm actually getting ready to give a, a CLE, continuing legal education, about this here in the next month. But Martin Pringle actually put money up for me before I even went, to, you know, before I even stepped foot in law school. So because of the judge and made the phone call, and I ended up working a deal with them because I was, you know, I had a family here and wife and kids and paying mortgage, and then I'm going to have to live in Topeka. Uh-huh. And so they were they actually gave me money to cover my expenses up in Topeka while I went to law school. Wow. And so another reason I love Martin Pringle, always will love Martin Pringle, but I mean, there might be other opportunities for kids, you know, to do that too, but. Here's the crazy thing about law school. We talked about, okay, law school is tough. It's a grind. First semester really is crazy. I mean, I was working at the federal courthouse, so I had a really good job, making pretty good money and great benefits and everything else, mm-hmm. and I walked away from that. <laughs> that was terrifying. <laughs> and so I had a lot of sleepless nights, you know, my first semester in law school. But in law school, for the main, main part, your grades are only based on your finals, so you go through the whole semester and you don't have assignments and get grades and do all that kind of stuff. Some classes will have a midterm that might count for like 10 or 15% of the grade. Uh-huh. But your grade is based on what you do on the final exam. So all semester you really don't know how no much you know. <laughs> no idea. All you know is that you've got all these bright, br- brilliant kids. You know, I was older. I was 35 when I went back to law school. So I got all these young bucks uh-huh. straight out of college, <laughs> you know, thinking they know everything. They ain't never paid an electric bill in their life, more than likely. But, you know, they're up and coming. you got the gunners in there that want to, you know, raise their hand and ask, answer all the questions and all that kind of stuff. But you have no idea what your grade's going to be until after the finals. Uh-huh. And so I had this deal worked out with Martin Pringle, and I was nervous about what my grades were going to be. I had no clue. And so I, I reached out to him. I said, hey, because you don't get your grades, you know, the, the fall semester is August till about, what, December, first week in December. You don't get your grades back until, like, January, mid-January. And so that's another thing about working at certain law firms. They, they do have certain GPA requirements, or at least they want to consider it. They want you to have a 3.0 or above. Mm-hmm. That might not seem like a lot, but it's it's kind of difficult to <laughs> accomplish in law school. So I was afraid I wasn't going to reach that level. So I called him. I said, hey, you know, I live here. I'm going to be here. Can I come to work during this Christmas break, you know, and do some work for you guys? You know, and <laughs> my main reason for doing that is because I knew if I can get in front of them and interact with the attorneys there and they can see my work product and things of that nature, mm-hmm. if my grades didn't come in where they needed to be, then I think I would have a little fudge factor there mm-hmm. as opposed to, well, okay, his grades weren't quite at the level that we're looking at, but, you know, we've worked with him, we've interacted with him, we've seen, you know, what he's doing, so that that might, you know, push the scale in my favor a little right, bit. Right, right, right. So building those personal relationships once again came in handy definitely so w- let's switch gears a little bit and we're going to talk about what you as a lawyer um that is very proactive in the black community how you utilize being a lawyer to help the black community so um in sp- the specific areas that you work in in law what is it um that you would say is like one of the main issues that you see that's constantly uh that we're battling uh it's a lot it's a lot and now I'll tell you what my favorite thing to do as a lawyer, that's expungements. Mm -hmm. And so an expungement is simply a process whereby if you've been, you know, convicted of a crime and you've, you know, done all the time or, you know, completed probation or whatever, and a certain amount of time has passed, and you can get that expunged or sealed from public view as, and you can legally tell people that you've never been arrested or convicted for Mm -hmm. that crime. So a lot of people don't know, you know, exactly what the requirements are, how long it takes and things of that nature. I mean, it's a pretty simple, straightforward process. 
there's a lot of there's forms online where you can do the process and everything like that but you know trying to a lot of people last thing they want to do especially if they have convictions is be involved with the courthouse or have have to do paperwork or things of that nature but that's important to me because you know if you have certain convictions not only felony but even some misdemeanor you can't live in certain places you got to check the box on all these job applications right it disqualifies you for certain um educational grants and things of that nature Mm -hmm. but if you get an expungement then that takes that all off the plate you don't have to you know acknowledge or even say that you've been convicted of those things so it takes the burden off Mm -hmm. of that person i mean you know quite frankly i think if you have a criminal conviction that gives people the ability and opportunity to treat you like a second class citizen in the first place Mm -hmm. i know a lot of people that have convictions that aren't second class citizens that are good people they've made some bad decisions previously they've got caught up in certain situations but that doesn't reflect the person that they are right now right and so that's the whole purpose of an expungement is to you know get rid of those types of things and allow you not have to check the box or or anything like that and so that's one of the big things you know because I think disproportionately, the minority community, you know, has more convictions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have to deal with that a lot more. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of convictions out there. So if you can get rid of those convictions, that allows you to get a second chance at your life um, without having to disclose all this, you know, prior, you know, mistakes that you have made in the past. Right, right. That's one of the big things. Um, Another big thing, not necessarily in the black community, but probably in the poor community, is the traffic stuff. I mean, I think we might have talked about this a little bit previously, but traffic stuff is a big deal. People don't think that it is. Uh And, you know, usually it starts off something minor. But in Kansas, there's what we have, what's a statute called the habitual violator statute, which means if you have three or more major traffic violations in a five-year period, then you get revoked automatically for three years. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, how many people do you know that has to spend a driver's license? <laughs> and <laughs> they keep driving. You're right, yeah. You know, they take a calculated risk every day, mm-hmm. you know, because you have to drive. And so, I try to prevent that from happening because usually the way it happens is something simple. You get a ticket, you know, you you don't pay the ticket for whatever reason. Maybe you can't afford to pay the ticket. Right. You know, that might be a reason that you don't pay it. You got to pay your electric bill or pay a $150 ticket. You're going to pay the electric bill. Right. But when you don't pay the ticket, two things happen. First thing, a warrant gets issued because you didn't take care of your court obligation. The second thing is, is your license gets suspended. And so, now your driver's license is suspended. Now you're driving around. Maybe you know your license is suspended. Maybe you don't. And then you get stopped again. Now you get you know, another ticket for driving while suspended because your license is suspended. Dang. That used to be an arrestable offense until just recently. I think Chief Ramsey and others have changed it to where they won't arrest you. But if you had a suspended license, they were taking you to jail. Mm-hmm. And so once you get a driving while suspended, and then you go in there and it turns into a conviction. Okay, that's strike number one. And if you get convicted of driving while suspended, there's an automatic 90-day suspension that goes along with that. Okay? And so you this keep is a driving. Snowball. It's a snow <laughs> that's the snowball effect. And what I try to do is catch people, you know, unfortunately by the time I talk to a lot of people in these situations, it's too late. They've already got their second, third, third strike already. Dang. And there's nothing that I can do at that point. I mean, we look at all the options, but you know, so trying to get, you know, people to recognize the importance of taking care of these small traffic matters that turn into something that's completely disruptive of your life. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, because over in the city of Wichita, second driving while suspended, they want five days in custody. And on a third one, they want 90 days in custody. Now, they'll let you do some time in jail and a portion of in work release or house arrest. Right. Which, of course, you've got to pay for all that stuff, too. 
which usually started because you couldn't pay the ticket in the first place. Right. I mean, if I get a ticket, I'm going to complain about it, but I'm going to pay it. And it's not going to result in some of these adverse, you know, actions on my driver's license. But I understand a lot of people, you know, don't have those resources. But there there are ways that if you have a ticket and you can't pay it all at once, I mean, you can't just ignore the ticket. No, you cannot. <laughs> you got to go down. You can make arrangements to pay it or, you know, do whatever you have to do. And they'll they'll take payments in some situations and things of that nature. But you know, if you just ignore it, it's going to turn into a nightmare. Right. I'm, I'm, I got a heavy foot. So I get a lot of, <laughs> I, I've gotten a couple speeding tickets here in Wichita and, uh, it's very simple. I mean, I go down to the courthouse and I make a payment arrangement right. every single time. Right. I mean, it drags it out for a little bit longer, right. you know, but, uh, I don't have to pay, you know, $150, $200 all at one time. Right. So, but you need to holler at me though, cause I can turn those into non-moving violations in some instances that don't report back to your insurance. Sometimes that's more advantageous. Now they're gonna okay, charge you a little Robert, bit. They're okay. gonna charge you a little bit more for that. Now you have to pay more as far as court costs and fines and all that, but they'll move it to they'll turn it into a non moving violation. Which will not affect my insurance. Correct. And see, insurance is an issue that a lot of people have. Yes. Either people don't want to pay for insurance, period, hey, or it's, it's just too expensive. It's mandatory in the state of Kansas. <laughs> you, you got can't to. drive if you don't have it. That's right. another one. So the major, so habitual violator statute that we talked about, the main mm-hmm. uh, convictions are driving while suspended, no insurance, and DUI. Ooh. So, but yeah, you got to have insurance in the state of Kansas. And if you get convicted of a driving while suspended or no insurance, then you have to, you know, have your insurance company send an SR-22 mm-hmm. to the state every month when all SR-22 is a document from the insurance company that says that you have insurance. Right. You know, they've got to confirm with the state that you have it. Dang, this is a hassle. And you got to do, well, um, the insurance company does it. They just charge you a little bit more for it. But you've got to do that for 12 consecutive months. Otherwise, it starts all over again. And they suspend your license again. Then you got to go through that whole process. So, well, if we're talking about financials, what is like the most cost effective route to go aside from just paying the ticket, you know, outright? Like, what's the most cost effective way of taking care of your traffic issues? Yeah, well, I mean, probably just paying it. <laughs> just paying it outright, or do the payment plan? Like, yeah, that's if you just can do the payment option. plan, they'll go up there. You know, even this non-moving violation stuff that I'm telling you about, you can go up there and talk to a prosecutor and see if they will amend it down to a non-moving. Mm-hmm. But, you, yeah, I think it involves a trip to the clerk's office, though, because if you just want to pay the ticket, you can call or pay online. Right. And they'll take the payment. But if you pay it, you're, you're pleading no contest or guilty to a speeding ticket, which is a moving violation. Right. So... Um, if you need to make pay arrangements, though, I think they want to see you face-to-face, and they make you sign, like, a little contract yeah, agreement. Yeah. I'm going to pay this over six months or eight months or whatever, mm-hmm. and they'll allow you to do it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had plenty of those. <laughs> they know me down there. You're going to a lot of money. <laughs> I need to uh, take, just foot. take, yeah, it's, it's a little foot. heavy. It's a little heavy. <laughs> so, um, let's see, you just won, I think I read an article where you were being honored for something pretty special. Yeah, so the Kansas Bar Association just uh, awarded me with the uh, diversity award uh-huh. from the KBA, so based on some of these things that we've been talking about here. So um, that's pretty so, special. Yeah, it's very special. I mean, another thing, you know, because we're trying to, it's not just me, I got a whole group of us, you know, that mm-hmm. are helping and doing this, including attorneys at Martin Pringle and other black attorneys and other attorneys, not just black attorneys, you know, in town that are interested in diversity. Mm-hmm. One thing we do every year is we, we get the uh, Washburn Law and KU Law, Black Law Students Association, Hispanic Law Students Association, 
Asian Law Student Association, LGBTQ, all the diverse oh, minority yes. organizations. And we bring them down to Wichita. Because one of the common things I hear is that, hey, look, and and most of these law firms here are interested in diversity. It's not just something they're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and it's not just like they're looking for a token black person to come in and work for them. Right. It's not about that. They're interested in it, but the thing that I hear all the time over and over again is we don't have any viable candidates or we don't have this pipeline that we need in order to be able to hire some diverse mm-hmm. students. So, you know, we came up with this idea, okay, well, we'll bring the students down here. Right. So every year the Bar Association has what they call Judges Day. It's a big deal. You know, they have, like, activities throughout the day for the judges and attorneys to participate in, like, you know, playing pool or skeet shooting. They have a 5K mm-hmm. and all these different things you know, throughout the day, and then that culminates with a barbecue at Botanica. And so for the last four years, we've been bringing those law students, Balsa, Halsa, you know, all the Alsas and all these diverse <laughs> groups, down to the barbecue. And so with the whole purpose of allowing them, okay, you walk in there with 15, 20 black law students, you uh-huh. know, people start noticing that. But then these students get the opportunity to start networking and meeting, you know, face-to-face and having conversations with judges and other attorneys here in town. And so we've turned parlayed that into a whole like you know overnight type deal. Judges' day is always on a Thursday, so uh, we all we will pay for the students to stay the night down in Old Town somewhere. The mm-hmm. Wichita Bar Association covers their hotels, um, and then we always link up with Jonathan and Christina and members from the Wichita Urban Professionals, uh-huh. so that we can go down and kick it, you know, down in Old Town, and we give them a glimpse of what you know Wichita is and things of that nature, and be able to. Just hang out and chill, have drinks with other black professionals and minority mm-hmm. professionals in town. But we also set it up to where the DA, Mark Bennett, gives them an hour and he comes in and we get to go sit with Mark Bennett and he says, here's what I'm looking for to hire you. Then we go over to the public defender's office and they do the same thing. Here's the criteria that we're looking at. If you want to get hired, here's what we're looking at. And right. then Ed Watson, he's the only black partner at a law firm in Wichita. He's out of Folsom Seifkin. Then he takes them out to Folsom and we give them lunch out there on Friday and then we have private attorneys that so if you want to look work at a law firm, this is what it looks like. And so you've got all these different people. So that's the whole thing. Put them in front of people that are potentially going to hire them. Mm-hmm. And so we've been doing that four years. The students love it so much. They said, hey, can we can we come back down, you know, in the springtime also? So this last spring, uh, March, I guess a couple months ago in March, we brought some more students down. They got to uh, have lunch with one of the federal judges here in town. And then we got to do some other activities associated with that. And so... We're just trying to, you know, hey, I, I understand the issue here, There, you, you know, because here's the thing. If you're a black law student or a diverse law student and you're killing it in law school, you're making good grades, you're going to have the opportunity to go anywhere you want. Right. <laughs> and you probably don't, might, might not want to come back to Wichita. <laughs> you're going to go to Atlanta or Chicago or wherever. You'll have all types of opportunities because it's not just a Wichita problem. Mm-hmm. It's an everywhere problem. Right. Even cities that have, you know, bigger black populations than we do and things of that nature. They're looking for the diverse, talented, you know, top GPAs and all that stuff, and they're going to be making them offers. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's so much about Wichita that has offered, and that's what we want to expose these, you know, law students to. It's cool to live here. I mean, there's stuff to do here despite what people say. We mm-hmm. got some cool, you know, diverse professionals that we can kick it with and hang out with, and you can make moves and maneuver around in the city. I'm glad that you showcased that because Wichita be popping. I don't know. A lot of people do say, Wu-Tang oh, there's nothing. Wu-Tang is coming to- July 31st. That's all I need to say. <laughs> 
They're coming to our city. Listen, Robert is a huge fan. I, I hear it nonstop. He's a huge, huge fan. So, but yeah, Wichita is full of things to do all the time. Like, it's very rare that we don't have a weekend where we get to do some type of networking or we're being involved in some type of activity. So, I'm glad that you take the time out to really showcase that to people. Uh, especially because we do need more diverse lawyers to be here to be more understanding of the diverse community that we have here. Most definitely. You know, so um, we had one question somebody wanted to ask you. Um, If you had any advice that you wanted to give to a future law, a future black law student, what would be your advice? Um, You know, make sure your support group is tight. Make sure you support. You can't do it by yourself. Okay. Don't try to do it by yourself. I mean, certainly you have the ability and, and skills and talent to do so, but it's it's not just the, the you know, emotionally, law school, uh, it teaches you to think differently. Uh, you're up there with the best of the best, supposedly. You know, you've got 150 or so students or less in your class that are all gunning for number one and all that kind of stuff. You don't get the grade until the end of the semester, so you really don't know where you stand mm-hmm. amongst all these other students. You're going to be dealing with sometimes some of the stuff that, that we've talked about, the, oh, you think you're better than us type situation, which is, you know, that's very disheartening. And a lot of times it's from some of the people that's closest to you. And so you need to be able to talk to people that have been through these types of situations because you're mm-hmm. going to have nights, sleepless nights. You're going to have days where you want to give up, you know, where you just want to throw your hands in there and say, I can't do it anymore. And you're going to need that support, you know, of people to keep pushing you because you are going to be able to make it through. But it's always helpful to be able to talk to somebody that, that understands this. I know when I was in law school, people that are not in law school, they don't want to talk to you about all this stuff. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. They don't understand what you're talking about. They think you're sitting there trying to be smarter than everybody else. But it's just like the real life, daily, everything that you have to deal with that you need to discuss. And so, you know... Lawyers, you know, we'll talk about the law all day long, but, you know, like if you're just in a regular social setting, that's not maybe the best thing to do. <laughs> that People ain't casual that. conversation. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thank you, Robert. I appreciate you for taking yeah, the time to come and chit-chat with the Queen X, all of us at the Queen X uh, crowd. And uh, thank you for everything that you do in the community. You bet. Thank you. And if anybody needs to get at me, um, so I'll just give my email address. If yes. you know anybody interested in law school or anything that we've talked about, it's RJ Moody, M-O-O-D-Y, at martinpringle.com. Um, just shoot me an email. Uh, hit me up. You can hit me up on Facebook or whatever. Anybody that has, you know, any expectations or even thoughts about wanting to go to law school we like to get our hooks in them early and bring them in because it, it is a process it takes a while um and you don't it doesn't just have to be a a high school student or a, a college student if there's an adult that has an interest in going back like i said i was 35 when i went to law school mm-hmm. so you know i was going to law school with cats older than me as well so you know, there's opportunities in Wichita, Kansas right now, you know, to be a diverse attorney here. And so I'd like to share and, and expose you to those types of opportunities. Good deal. Do you have any events or anything that you're going to be speaking at or um, presentations? Actually, we do on June 7th, Friday, the, the Bar Association Diversity Committee. We have an annual CLE, Continuing Legal Education. So attorneys, we have to have 12, you know, hours of continuing legal education every year to keep, you know, guess what? Yeah, we still have to keep it going <laughs> and to make sure we're still licensed. But I'm actually doing a presentation with Christina Long and Kay Monk Morgan uh, on June 7th to the Bar Association, which is going to be outstanding. Um, and so and my presentation is going to be about the Martin Pringle stuff that I just talked about. And them, you know, I think the title of mine, our marketing director, is awesome. 
She's like, how Martin Pringle put their money where their mouth is. Okay. And so that's what I'm going to talk about. We talk about the the efforts, and we've gotten written agreements about diversity and inclusion, which is all great. But let's start putting some money up. It takes money, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to, you know, get have some of these functions and get these kids down here and get them exposure and all that kind of stuff. So that's one event that we have coming up. Again, we have a Saturday breakfast, first Saturday of every month, typically at 9 o'clock. So, I mean, that's really a good segue in there. Uh, to get you exposed because it's not just me there's other attorneys here that you get connected to mm-hmm. and we just keep you know we're not going to smother you and try to you know pester you into going to law school or anything like that even though sometimes it might seem that way because <laughs> i get excited about this if you can't tell <laughs> i mean we want to give you your space but we want to give you some information about what it takes and you know if you are interested we want to be there to assist along the way so That'd be the main thing is, you know, one of these breakfasts because it's an informal setting and everybody's just all good. Just like we're chopping it up right now, this is how mm-hmm. these breakfast conversations go for the most part. And so I think that's the best entryway for people to get involved here in Wichita. Okay, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Robert. Yeah. We'll holler at you later. All right, thank you. I don't know, guys. I feel like if you don't take anything else from that interview with Robert, you got to pay attention to the power of networking, the power of talking to people, getting to know people, getting uncomfortable and meeting people that aren't already in the same circles as you and just experiencing and exploring something different. I don't know, though. You tell me what you think. You tell me what you got from it. Um, But most importantly, if you know somebody that fits that criteria of the people that Robert is looking for, have them reach out to him and email him at um, the email that he left, which is rjmoody at martinpringle.com. So speaking of networking and the power of networking, that is exactly what I did in order to meet our Black Business Spotlight for this this episode. So I have not had the pleasure of meeting the owner in person yet, but don't worry, we're working on that. If you've been following me on Instagram, on Facebook, um, on any type of social media platform, you have seen me out and about all over the all over the city in my clutch couture bag and my um, hand painted inserts. So if you're on the email list, you've also seen me rocking those um, the the bag and the inserts in multiple pictures. And I gotta say that the owner Melissa is like a fucking black princess. Like she is the nicest, sweetest person. She a Virgo, so she be on her Beyonce shit. But that's why I love her so much. She's very particular about her brand. She's very particular about how she's represented. And I just absolutely, I love her. So, but let's get back to the brand. Let's get back to the the reason why we're here, okay? Uh, the Clutch Couture. So, let me just give you guys an honest, full review. I have the products that she sent me right here. So, I'm holding the purse that she sent me, which was the Caged Elegance, I think is what it's called. And it's just like an open caged bag. Um, it's gold, long rope chain hella cute i love it everybody when i had it hanging up in my in my store um here in united vibes it was hella popular people trying to buy it off of me um you can dress it up or you can make it casual which is something that i really like about it because it is you know a simple clutch so i really like that about it um but mind blown guys that's not even the best part that's not even like my favorite thing from her um that I got from her anyways, is the inserts. So she has these hand-painted inserts um, and they're wallets, essentially. 
So I have three of them that are hand painted and one of them that is bejeweled and bedazzled and glittery. I'm not really a sparkly glittery kind of gal so I really didn't wear the glittery one. I wasn't too into that but the hand painted ones they each have different personalities and if you follow me on Instagram you've seen me showcasing the different personalities of these inserts. So the pink one has um, a no face girl with an afro and in her face is written where there is love there is life love it love 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 the message um the second one is a white insert with a um african-american could be a afro latina woman with an afro in a bathing suit and she's just chilling absolutely love this it's simple because it's white but it's got attitude and pizzazz much like me but my absolute favorite one because i'm hella extra like that is like this galaxy shiny silver um crazy looking uh cl- insert and then the hand-painted picture on it um is a sister with um like bantu knots all over her head and then the her no face is written black girl magic this was my favorite one this was like my go-to every day because i'm extra like this i love it um but it also had a different design the other two the first two that i described you flip them over and open them and then that's where you put your money and your cards and then the one that i loved the most the you insert your money in your cards right here on the front where the picture is i put my business cards in the flap behind that and then when you flip it over and open it that's where I put my change Um, when I go to the laundromat I literally don't have to take a purse with me I can only take this insert with me and I absolutely love it but 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 I almost forgot to tell you what I have is just like the like the like not even touching the top of the iceberg she actually has canvas clutches that she hand paints herself like hand paints she can do custom ones um where she hand paints a bag of michelle obama or of uh beyonce or of layla ali or just whoever whoever sojourner truth what, what you want on it she can paint it on there it's i mean it's one less thing that i have to keep track of um if i'm going out somewhere and I know that I'm going to want to take my purse with me, then um, I would take the caged bag with me and it's big enough for me to fit the insert, of course, which kind of makes it have like a screen to where it's like a design to it. I love it. Oh, I love it. Um, But I can also wrap up my charger and fit my charger in there. Love that. Um, And if I needed like a lip gloss or a chapstick or something like that, um, I could fit my phone in there with the case on it, uh, but I wouldn't be able to fit too much after that. It would literally just be the insert and my phone, and that's it. So, but yeah, I absolutely loved it. Um, Whenever I was in, where do we go? Houston. We went on our little tour, Houston, Austin, Dallas, and Fort Worth. Um, Austin was so much fun and it was fantastic. This was so perfect. Having this one little clutch was so perfect because I didn't have to keep track of my phone because my husband had my phone. I didn't have a purse with me. um, And all I had was this insert and I could fit that in my bra or I could put it in my husband. Uh, walk, uh, pocket and we was good to go and I'm telling you I was all over them Houston them, uh, Austin uh, city streets um, 
So, yeah, I would suggest, I tell everybody, I would definitely suggest go and follow Clutch Couture on um, Instagram at underscore Clutch Couture underscore. Go visit the website and check out the different inserts. Check out her different bags. Um, um, And I follow her on Instagram and I'm always checking her out and watching her because she is in Miami, Florida. Oh, okay. When I said that we're going to meet up, I'm talking road trip. What's good? Melissa, know I'm coming. Um. But she has done these, I think that she calls them like a clutch couture bar or something of that effect where it's like a party. And she has a party where people, women, whoever come to her or she goes to them and she provides the clutches and the paints and they can, I think that she draws and uh, outlines the shape for them, but they can fill it in however they want to. And I cannot wait to get to Miami so that I can come back with my own bag so that I can have this experience. Um, So y'all got to follow her and keep up with what's going on in Miami. All right, guys. So that concludes this episode of the Queen X podcast. Thank you so much for checking out this episode and hanging out with me and Robert. I hope that you really did learn something. Um, about the legal system, something that can help you, something that can help a neighbor, something that can help a brother or sister that you know. Um, If you enjoyed this podcast, please share this on social media. Share this with a friend. Share this with your mama. Share this with the homegirl that sits in the cubicle next to you at Cox. Whatever it is, wherever it is that you may be, share this with somebody um, so that somebody that you know can enjoy this also. Um, If you're interested in upcoming events that we have going on or events that are going on in the community, then you want to be subscribed to our newsletter. If you follow us on Instagram, click the link in our bio to go to our landing page where you can sign up for our newsletter. Um, There as well, you will get immediate links to all of the activities that we have going on um, that we have scheduled or things that we're participating in. Or just things that are going on that we think that people should know about. Um, Also, from that newsletter, you can be privy to discounts that we get from brands that we're working with. So, we have a 20% off coupon code from Two Vegans with a Kink. And that gets you 20% off of your entire order with them. As well as a 15% off coupon code with Clutch Couture, who is our Black Business Spotlight. Yay! So definitely get signed up for our newsletter. Um, And like I said at the beginning of this episode, leave us a review, rate us, um, definitely subscribe. If you are on Google Playlist or Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, subscribe so that you can be notified as soon as these episodes are released. The other way to be notified um, whenever episodes are released is through our newsletter. So join that. If you're going to be in Wichita, Kansas this Saturday, I know we got hella, hella graduations that are going to be going on, but I do have Brie Moore from the Brie Moore production, queen reigning supreme in her domain, Um, and she will be coming here once a month for the Brie Moore Productions closet sale. This is going to be our kickoff at Fredo's downtown. Follow us on Facebook and on Instagram. We have the flyer circulating around. Um, It is a free event to attend. If you're interested in being a vendor, shoot me an email at hello at queenx.co that concludes the rest of this episode guess what guys i will see you next week peace